talking to the Lord, and I was like, God, um, what do you want to talk about? He's like, uh, I want to talk about how I feel uh, when you sin or when you make a mistake. I'm like, oh, such a cheery message. He's like, it is. And it is. And he totally gave me some great revelation. So sin, when we think of sin, it's not a behavioral pattern. It's a wrong thought about God that creates a behavioral pattern of fear or unbelief. Oh, gosh, I'm done. (laughs) But really, so sin is not a behavioral pattern. It's a wrong thought about God, which then creates an action based on fear or unbelief of who he is. Okay? So when I talk about that, so when we sin or we come under the conviction that we're uh, not in alignment, whether it's small or big, um, there's two things, two responses that we can do. We can stay in darkness or we can run to the light. Usually our, our flesh wants to hide, okay? We're afraid of what other people will say based on whatever we have just done. Um, if we, you know, just based on our, li- our, our lifestyle or what we're done, we are scared to, to go, go to someone and say, hey, I just did this because we're afraid that they're going to say, well, you're not as cool anymore, and we want to be cool all the time. Um, and we're f- afraid of punishment. We're afraid that Jesus is going to take his Bible and be like, oh, my gosh, you crazy girl. Why are you, why are you making mistakes? Just like that. <laughs> and so we say, okay. And then another response that we do to stay in darkness is that we change our theology so that we don't we feel less convicted we make god a smaller version of god so we sin and to make ourselves feel better we say well it's okay god loves me and he loves my sin and he wants me to stay in my sin and we just kind of get warped we get off truth, we make our smaller version of God, and then we fit our sin into there, and we go on. But the sick part about that is that we're still in darkness, and we're still dying, okay? And then another response that we have is that we work to, we want to work to get back into his good graces, or to earn our salvation, which is a sin. Because if we're trying to work to get back to him, that's outside of faith. And everything done outside of faith is sin. Okay, so those are the usual responses. Okay, we hide from our friends. Who has done this? I mean, I have done this. (laughs) If I made a mistake, I don't call my best friend. Maybe I do now because I know that she loves me. But uh, before, if I feel insecure or whatever, I'm like, I'll just keep it for a day, which is really stupid, because what we're saying is, I really just want to stay under condemnation and darkness and get beat all day. And you know it's like that because you're thinking about it all day and you're just miserable, right? So, but if we had a right perspective of what Jesus wants us to do when we do sin, that he wants us to run to him and run into the light, we'll be really quick to run into the light. So here we go. So when we choose to run into the light, this is what happens. 
One is that we gain a greater vision of him, a revelation of him. He says, yes, good job. You came to me. And the light, he shines more about who he is as God. So because you chose to come to him, he shows you, this is who I really am. I'm a kind father. I'm a loving father. I actually want to restore you. So something that was off before, the, the fear or the unbelief of that God is good, gets, gets restored, okay? So let's go to Ephesians 3, 14. Everyone go there. This will be like fun Bible reading time. Ephesians 3. Okay, so we... Oh, okay, I have a school. The thing about it is everyone's like, well, you don't, Sasha, you don't know what I deal with. You don't know my temptation. It's really, really tough, and it's really, really big. And I would say, no, your temptation is not big. Your God is not big enough, okay? Your God, your vision of him is not bigger than your temptation. Because as soon as we get a bigger vision of God, who he is, how much he loves us, how much his affections are toward us, the, we get fat off of Jesus' love for us. We have no desire, no hunger for the lesser things. Like today, I was like just enjoying this message as I was writing it out. I, don't, I mean, not that it's a bad thing to watch, but I was like, I don't care to watch Gilmore Girls, you know? I don't know if you know that show. But it was like, it was, it's not a bad show, but it was just funny how like I was really fat on God and I, have, I didn't want to eat anything less. Like if you go to Whole Foods or no, like if you eat Charles' food from the cafe, if you know my friend Charles, he cooks fantastic food. You don't want to go to McDonald's and get a French fry because like this is awesome and this is pathetic. Same thing with Jesus. Okay, so we pray this prayer. This is what we pray. We pray, God, that you would grant to uh, grant us. That, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 17. <laughs> that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height. So if you find yourself in a place of struggling with some kind of temptation or you're just committing the same mistake or whatever, you, your cry needs to be, God, I need more of you. I need more, more bread, more wine. You are the bread of life. I need to feast on you because as my eyes get enlightened of his goodness and of his love, his width, his depth, that is, y'all know that song, his love is an ocean, endless ocean, bottomless sea. That's where you get lost. I remember, I have to share this story, side note. I was worshiping Jesus to that song, you are the endless ocean, you are a bottomless sea. And I remember just feeling like, not. I don't feel it all the time, but some, this particular time I was feeling his waves of love come over me. And there was this temptation that like I wanted to do something to respond because it was so much. And I'm like, what do I do to give you this love back? Because it was so much. And, and he was like, I just want you to feel it. And I just want you to receive my love. And like, it was that unconditional, no strings attached love that like, like hit the endless in me 
hit the endless in him. And it was just like, ah, okay. So, <laughs> so that's what happens. So if you find yourself in, in sin, don't beat yourself up. Say, God, I need more of you. I need a greater vision of who you are. Because he's not saying, Sasha, why the heck are you so sinful? Because <laughs> he said, I came to the world to what? Save it. To save it. That was the goal from the beginning. That's his goal now, and that's his goal forever. To save. To restore. All right? Okay, let's keep going. We, 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 we need to keep going. <laughs> okay, so Peter... We're talking about how he gives us a greater vision of him. And usually the, the, what happens is we get a greater vision of who we are. So Peter denies Jesus, right? He um, denies that he ever hung out with him, which is kind of a low blow, Peter. You know, he was with him for three years. And then at the crisis of his life, you say, no. I don't know him. I mean, it was intense. It was a very intense deal. And I, I have done this. Um, side note. <laughs> uh, I have a younger brother who's very intellectual. And he um, is an atheist and has always been at my side telling me why God isn't real. So when I was younger in high school, um, I was like, I have the Holy Spirit. I could totally argue my, my younger brother to Jesus because I have the Holy Spirit, okay? So he'll give me the words, and bam, shabam, my atheist brother will just love Jesus. And, of course, that didn't work because that's not how Jesus wants to love on my brother. I wish I was just, like, patient and listening, but I wasn't. I was just, like, angry <laughs> that he argued better than I did. And um, it discouraged me. It discouraged me to a point where one day he said, uh, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you? And I said, out of my mouth, this was when I was like 20 or 21, I said, no, I don't believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And um, I got saved when I was six. So there's a lot of history between uh, Jesus and I before that point. And I totally pulled a Peter, and I said, I don't feel like he died for me. At, from that point on, I, I had work at a, a local coffee shop, and uh, I, my insides were just ripping apart. I was so torn that I just denied the person that I knew that I loved. And so I'm at the coffee shop, and but right after I denied him, which is really funny. I mean, it's not funny, but I was like, I talked to him right after I denied him. I was like, Jesus just show me that you're real. And I was just crying out for him. So I go to my coffee shop. I'm miserable because I just denied the one that I loved. And uh, this couple walks in and they're like radiant. They're like light. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and like my spirit is like jumping inside of me. And I'm like, hmm. And I'm still kind of miserable. You know, I'm going through this misery and um, get their order and they leave or they, like, go to the end of the line to wait for their drinks. And I, like, the Spirit of God is, like, jumping inside of me. He's like, you must go talk to them. You must go talk to them. Go tell them everything that you're dealing with and ask them to pray for you. And I was like, 
I'm on the clock, Jesus. He's like, I don't care. And so I tell my coworker, I need to go talk to this couple. So I find out that they're newlyweds and that they're on their way to their honeymoon. And um, they're like reading their Bible together. It was like so cute. Like Lori and Tracy Jackson, you know, they're so cute like that. <laughs> and they're sitting at their table and they're reading their Bible. And I go, do y'all love Jesus? You know, just in case they didn't. And <laughs> they said yes. And what ended up happening is I told them the whole story. I told them I was dealing with like my intellectual brother. They're like came from that background of intellectualism and uh, humanistic thinking. And they prayed for me. And then they said, will you pray for us? And at that point, I had stopped praying um, to the Lord because of it, all these things that were happening, all the doubt and unbelief that was coming up. And they asked me to pray, and I was like, it was like a breaking, like it was a breaking open of my heart because I, I love talking to Jesus. And um, anyways, that encounter was so amazing. I turned, like, my sorrow turned to joy. I was like, Jesus loves me. And, like, that was just, like, three hours or whatever before I just, like, said that he denied to me. Later on in my life, I said, Jesus, why did you come to me like that? Why did you come to me in a couple? couple?" He said, it's because I have a covenant with you. He says, I will never break my covenant with you. Um, That was so cool. I was like, yes, Jesus loves me. Uh, Okay, so the crazy thing, Peter denied him, but then he, okay, Jesus has breakfast, right? He makes some breakfast, and let's go there. Uh, John 21, 15. I'm doing good. Doing good on time. Y'all seem to be enjoying yourselves. Only one person sleeping in the back. No big deal. I'm joking. You're not sleeping. Uh, John 21, 15. Okay, so... Peter just sinned, right? He just denied Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? M- making food for him? That seems to be a pattern. I'll show you. It's a pattern. He makes food for those who sin against him. <laughs> he loves us, apparently. Oh, my gosh. You can make me breakfast any day, Jesus. <laughs> he does through my husband. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so let's go to 15. So Jesus, so oh, I love this. He makes him breakfast. And so when they had eaten breakfast, I mean, it's in the Bible. Isn't that cool? Sometimes we make it so serious. It's like Jesus made breakfast. He was pulled a Charles, you know, whooped up some breakfast. <laughs> okay, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, well, then feed my sheep. So Jesus did something here. He reinstated Peter. And reinstated means that he gave him back his position. But I, I put a little word together. It was like a resurrection reinstatement because he not only gave him his position back, but gave him greater authority. So when we run to the light after we sin, 
or we make a mistake. We run to Jesus. He gives us greater vision of himself. And then he says, this is who you are. Go feed my lambs. Go feed my sheep. Go take authority and dominion over the land. Stop um, being stagnant in your shame and actually walk in the authority that I've called you to. Because Satan wants to stop you or delay you or make you slow. You know what I'm saying? We're like these Christians dragging our feet. You know, because we're like, well, I know that I'm forgiven, but I have this sin problem. You know, and we're like dragging our feet. And he's like, what sin problem? Did I not finish that on the cross? He's like, okay, this is who you are. This is who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Come and walk in my way, walk in my life in the full authority, which is really kind of crazy. It like totally unnerves you. You're like, no, punish me, you know, give me time out, like, put me in a corner, I just totally denied you, he's like, no, 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 go disciple the nations, like, like, ha, that's like, crazy love, so that is what happens, like, that's the difference, the enemy wants to be like, oh, yeah, Jesus is gonna punish you, Jesus is gonna, you know, he's gonna give it to you this time, and so you just stay in your darkness, right? You don't tell your friends what's going on in your life. You don't tell your friends about your weakness. You certainly don't talk to God, even though he knows about it. But, um, <laughs> but it's a lie. Like, it's keeping you, it, it's, it, you're, you're, you're dying. You're dying in your isolation and in your darkness. And he's like, just come to me. Come to me, okay? So he gives you he reinstates you, resurrection reinstating. That's really cool. Gives you assignment, gives you more responsibility. I know that's like, uh, we think of responsibility as like a negative, but we really need to change that. Come on, younger generation. And we need to take that as like, okay, he's giving me responsibility. Like, think of this this way. He's the king, right? Mm. <laughs> we are his sons and his daughters. And... We want to be active in his kingdom. Give us, give us a decree. Like, I want to go tell Henryville over there that Jesus is alive. You know, go give me something to do. That gives us sonship. If he was, like, not giving us a part of his kingdom, then we wouldn't be sons and daughters. Does that make sense? So when he gives us responsibility, when he says, okay, go take over this land, go uh, to this hair salon, become a great hair salonist, and take over this salonist people. Amen. <laughs> Who is the hair salonist in here? Anyone? Yes, amen. Yes. <laughs> Deanna. Yes, Lord. <laughs> okay. So here's another thing. Wait, what other things happen when we come to the light, when we choose to go to the light instead of the darkness? Celebration, libation, and salvation. Let me explain. Don't stone me yet. Okay. So celebration, right? We know the story about the prodigal son. Jesus comes, or prodigal son screws up. Is that okay? Does really bad, really bad, multiple times, a lot of times. Like, he is messing up all over the place. But one day he decides, you know what? I have nothing. I'm eating slop. It's probably better to go to my father's house. So he goes to his father's house. And what does his father do? 
We all know the story, but this is completely powerful. I want to preach this story until I die because he gives him a robe. He puts a ring on his finger. He, he puts shoes on his feet. He says, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased, basically, by dressing him up in royalty. And then he throws a party. And he, what does he do again? He goes cook some more. He likes cooking. Yes, Lord, I knew I loved you. You love food, too. <laughs> Woo! He would, I mean, he called himself the bread of life, so you know he's thinking about bread. He's like, I'm so hungry. We've been walking to all these cities. I am the bread of life. Jesus, give me bread. Oh, I am wine. Can I get some wine? <laughs> Woo, amen. Put the Lord on that. All right, let's go. Let's go to Luke 7. Luke 7, people. Get your Bibles out. Luke 7, I'm serious. <laughs> Luke 7, Luke 7, Luke 7, 36. Luke's, okay. I'm trying to try out for Stephanie's worship team to compete with Joshua and Amy. No, okay. Um, (laughs) All right, let's read this story. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed him. And anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, I mean, I think, like, at that point, I feel like Jesus' skin is, like, boiling. He's like, Pharisee, you have no idea who this woman is. You have no idea that I took a cross for her that I'm going to take a cross for her you have no idea I formed her in her mother's room and he is he's speaking about his beloved daughter so I could just the tension (laughs) all right verse 40 and Jesus answered and said to him Simon but Simon's his son too so he's like I'm gonna cut you some black I have something to say to you so he said teacher say it There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them would love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman and entered your house? Oh, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair on her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time she came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So, um, another amazing thing that happens when you go to the light is that you experience forgiveness, and you can then love. You go to the one who is light, who is Jesus, and you let him examine you, and you let him see all your junk, and then you get to hear the words, I love you, I love you, 
I love you. And as those trickle down into your spirit and your heart and your soul, you begin to get uh, something called understanding. And the first attribute of love is patience. And one time I asked the Lord, I go, God, why, why is love patient? And why are you so patient? He's like, because I understand. I understand every hurt that they had to endure, every trial that they had to endure, everything about their childhood that caused them to react that way. Like, I understand why they're getting afraid right here. And so I'm not impatient with them. I understand. And so when we choose to go to the light and receive forgiveness, then we can love, love much. So that is an awesome thing. So let me finish up because I want to, there's two things. Oh, I said celebration, libations, and salvations. The salvations one, I'm not going to go there. But John 4, when he goes to the woman at the well, and he says, you have seven husbands, which is a sin. But he's not saying, that. you know, he wasn't saying that to like, oh, you did this sin. He was saying that so that she would be free of the shame of having seven husbands. If she, if he didn't expose that, she would still think, well, if he didn't know that part, he wouldn't have said what he said. But he wanted her to be free of shame. So he said, hey, just to let you know, I know that you have seven husbands, but I love you. And what happens? She goes back to her city and she gets the whole city saved. So that's what, another thing that happens when we go to the light. We get empowered to then speak of the love that which just touched us and salvation start occurring. But if we stay in darkness and don't walk in light with our, with, with our friends and with Jesus, we will not see the saved. We will not see those come to their Savior. So the final thing, coming into light means two things. Not hiding from Jesus and not hiding from friends. What does Jesus call us? He says, you are a light set on a hill. So when we make a mistake, we must run to one, Jesus the light, and two, our friends who are the light. Let's go real quick. This is the last one, Acts 9, 1 through 19. This is Saul's um, conversion. It's really cool. The Lord showed me this. I was like, oh, it's so cool. I have to share this. We won't, we won't read it at all. What did I say? Nine. Okay. Okay. So uh, Ananias got word that he was to go to Saul. And so Ananias' response is, but don't you know who Saul is? He's the murderer of Christians. <laughs> And so what, how is Ananias seeing Saul right now? Not in the way that Jesus is seeing Saul. Okay? So hold on. Let me see. He said, verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. We read that and we're like, oh, yeah, he's going to have to suffer for what he's done. But if we go to Philippians 310. <laughs> that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 
So Jesus is saying, yeah, he, he's going to suffer, but it's a fellowship with Jesus. Okay? So this is not like, oh, yeah, Jesus is going to give him a payback. It's like he gets to go get as close to Jesus as he possibly can, which is conforming to his death and then learning of his resurrection. Come on. Okay? So, but here we go. But we have to go to Jesus, the light, and we have to go to our friends. Because Acts, I lost one place. Baby, do you have it? Yeah. I don't want to go back there. Okay. Because this is really cool. Okay. Okay. Verse 17. I think. Yes. And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So at this point, Ananias got the word that this is a chosen vessel of the Lord, and he agrees to go to, to Saul. And then this happens, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized. That scales falling from his eyes didn't happen when Jesus, the light, shined on him. But when Ananias agreed with Jesus, too, of who Paul was, who Saul was going to be as Paul. Does that make sense? So I need to confess to Jesus, repent to Jesus. He gives me salvation or cleanliness. He tells me who I am. I need to go to Hosanna, and I need to say, Hosanna, I just messed up. Who am I? And she's going to say, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Okay, and then we walk in freedom as a community, as a body, because we are confessing our sins like nobody's business because we want to be in the light. I want to be in the light as you are in my light. Shine. Yes, glory. (laughs) Okay, so one last story and then I'll close, I promise. I know I said that two times, but it's okay. It's really important that we confess to one another. I was feeling shame uh, about um, a mistake, whatever sin that we did, that I have done. And um, uh, I knew I confessed to the Lord. I even confessed it to friends. And this is the thing. Confess it until you feel clean. Confess it to your friends until it doesn't have any weight on you anymore. Like, say it every day. <laughs> get in the light. Like, just be hungry for the light, you know? Get free. Like, that's the thing. Jesus wants to set us free. We think, oh, Jesus is a party pooper. And he's like, no, I'm waiting for you to come to the light so I can throw you a party. Okay? <laughs> come on! Okay, so John 8, John 8, when the adulterous woman is drugged by the Pharisees, Pharisees being the enemy, right? The devil himself, just, just in, as a metaphor, Dragging this adulterous woman to Jesus. The enemy is actually doing us a favor. He's doing us a favor. He's bringing us to the light. Come on. I don't even know what that means, but I just feel worn on it. I just, I just like, he's like pushing us to Jesus, you know? God has this worked out, you know? But Jesus says, to, um, to the adulteress, where are your accusers? There is none. And that was really important because it wasn't just the Pharisees. They probably already left at this point. It was like the condemning thoughts that were like fighting in her mind that were telling her that she was less than a daughter. 
And, and she, he's like, where are your accusers? There's none. And so after I, I, I had this thing where I was feeling shame, this was like last, last Thursday. So I've already confessed, but I was still feeling like this gunk. And I went to a friend, and um, I, he put me there. He put me at John 8, and he said to me, where are your accusers? There are none. And she then saw me in heaven, and I saw, like, I went straight up, straight up, sitting at my place, and he totally put a crown on my head. And I was like, oh, he doesn't see us the way man sees us. And it's so important that we come into agreement for each other so that we can walk in unity and so that the power of God can be present. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I just thank you so much for you who, are, who is clothed in light. Father, I thank you that we are, we are light and we carry you. And I just pray that we would be so hungry for um, rightful thinking of who you are, that we would just run to the light, that we would um, expose ourselves so that you can shine your light, that you would search us and know us and see if there's any wicked thing so that that light can just poof to all that dark darkness inside. So we say shine, shine, Jesus, shine. 